Open the eyes of our hearts, Lord, that we may see the wonders of your word. Amen. Today we are in 2 Chronicles chapter 12, where we see the anger of the Lord on Rehoboam and Judah and how the chronicler Ezra writes it for the benefit of the exiles returning back from Babylon. Yesterday in the previous chapter we saw about how to seek the Lord in depth. Even the common folk started seeking the Lord diligently with all their heart and they strengthened King Rehoboam for three years. So what happened after the three years? Let's continue in chapter 12 verse 1. Now it came to pass when Rehoboam had established the kingdom and had strengthened himself that he forsook the law of the Lord and all Israel along with him. In the previous chapter they were diligently seeking the Lord with all their heart and in the very first verse we read that he forsook the law of the Lord and all Israel forsook the law of the Lord along with him. This is a complete 360 degree change from where they were focused. They were focused on seeking the Lord. The root of the word seek means face. So they were actually seeking the face of the Lord. And now their focus is elsewhere. So what happened that they forsook the Lord? 1 Kings chapter 14 verses 21 to 24 tells us the answer. Verse 23 and 24 tells us, for they also built for themselves high places, sacred pillars and wooden images on every high hill and under every green tree. And there were also perverted persons in the land. They did according to all the abominations of the nations which the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. So they were doing two things. One is idolatry and the second thing is the perversion and abominations. So why idolatry? The answer is given in verse 13. His mother's name was Nama and Ammonitus. Who were the Ammonites? The Ammonites were a pagan people who worshipped the gods Milcom and Molech. God had commanded the Israelites not to marry these pagans because this intermarriage would lead the Israelites to worship false gods. Solomon as we saw earlier disobeyed the Lord God in this matter and married Nama the Ammonite. And as God had warned, he was drawn into idolatry as we read in 1 Kings chapter 11 verses 1 to 8. And similarly, his son followed in his father's and mother's footsteps. The Ammonite god Molech was a god with the face of a calf which had outstretched arms to receive babies as a sacrifice. You see, they will hit the outstretched arms of the statue to very high degrees and surround the statue with drums on all sides and bring the babies and lay them on the outstretched arms with no clothes on. The cries of the baby will pierce the heavens. To drown out the desperate cry of agony, the drums will be played in high decibels while the baby screamed to death. They also had another way of sacrifice. The Ammonites would rip open the pregnant womb and give their unborn babies as a sacrifice as well. You can see how this idolatry was a terrible practice with deadly consequences, which was the reason why God commanded the Israelites not to marry these pagans as they will lead them to worship 
such false gods. The second thing that we see in verse 24 is perversion and abomination. You read in the Hebrew Bible, the word perversion is the Hebrew word Kadesh. Kadesh means a masculine temple prostitute. Similarly, the word abomination in the Hebrew Bible is referred as Toba, which is a feminine part of speech. That is, these were the female prostitutes inside the temple of the Ammonite gods. So you see, there were male and female prostitutes and having sex with them was considered as part of worship to those Ammonite gods. And the Israelites under Rehoboam readily accepted this practice. And this is the reason why they forsook the Lord. So as you can see, it is nothing but the pursuit of sin that made them forsake the Lord. From seeking the Lord in the previous chapter, they went to forsaking the Lord because of the pursuit of sin. So here we need to understand the difference between seeking the Lord and the pursuit of sin. Only then we will be better equipped to not forsake the Lord. Seeking the Lord often feels like work. That is, you will have to strive for it. On the other hand, the pursuit of sin often feels like relaxing. You don't have to work hard for it. You will feel as though you are relaxing. And that's the reason when you smoke a joint, you feel relaxed. Secondly, seeking God requires battling. It requires a constant spiritual warfare on your part. Whereas on the other hand, the pursuit of sin feels natural and easy. Comes as if it is like second nature to us. You don't have to take any extraordinary steps for the pursuit of sin. All it takes is one thought. All it takes is one look and all it takes is one action to fall deep down into the depths of sin. Thirdly, seeking God doesn't usually result in explosive joy. Of course, there are wonderful times of joy in the presence of the Lord. But then, the walk with the Lord is not always a constant. There are ups and downs. There are hills and valleys. And seeking God is not a feel-good relationship. Sometimes the devil will bring you doubts to even question whether God is with you even while you are seeking him diligently. He'll make things appear in your life that makes you feel as though God is so distant. So the joy of the Lord's presence will be like a mirage. Whereas on the other hand, each pursuit of sin will result in short bursts of pleasure get that adrenaline rush, you'll get that high, you'll get that pleasure right after your pursuit of sin, even though you'll be plagued by guilt later on. But you do it oftentimes, even that guilt will be slowly numbed away. Fourthly, seeking God involves leaning into my pain. Sometimes when God seems so distant, when things do not go our way, when we are faced with trials, or when we are faced with temptations, it is usually a painful experience. And at those times, we will have to lean into or push into or press against those negative things that are happening in our lives so that it doesn't overcome us. Whereas on the other hand, the pursuit of sin usually numbs my pain. And the fifth thing is, 
Seeking God yields a reward of rest and peace. Whereas on the other hand, the pursuit of sin yields a reward of despair and torment. So if we understand this truth, we'll be able to stand against the scheme of the devil. So the question naturally arises, how do we make sure that we don't fall into the pursuit of sin and make sure that we seek God, not forsake the Lord? The answer lies in the Trinity. I've often wondered during my initial years as to why there is a Trinity. It's one of the most difficult concepts to understand and yet it is one of the simplest concepts if you just have faith. That's for another day. But then the answer here is Trinity. That is the answer lies in Jesus and the Holy Spirit. This is one of the reasons why Jesus came down to earth and also why he gave us the Holy Spirit. So Paul gives us the answer as to how we overcome this pursuit of sin. In Galatians chapter 2 verses 20 and 21 I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness comes through the law then Christ died in vain. So what do we need to do? We need to understand we have been crucified with Christ and that it is no longer we who live but Christ lives inside us. Peter echoes the very same sentiment in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. So the thing that we need to do is to die to sins, to be crucified with Christ. And Paul also gives us the second answer, that is the Holy Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 he says, So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So if you want to stand against the pursuit of sin, you need to walk by the Holy Spirit and thereby you will not satisfy the desires of your flesh. So that's the reason I said Trinity is the answer for this question as to how we can safeguard ourselves from the pursuit of sin. The idea of being dead on the cross with Christ Jesus is something we all understand. But how is it possible to make it a reality? That's the reason the Holy Spirit has been given to us. When Paul says walk by the Spirit, it means that no matter what's happening around us, we keep on walking step by step by step, being led by God in those moments. Looks a lot like how a parent might hold the hand of his or her little baby and make him walk through a dangerous place constantly protecting, guiding, helping and keeping him safe. So Paul's answer is if we as a Christian walk by the Spirit, we will not continue to gratify or indulge in the pursuit of sin. After saying that we need to walk by the Spirit, in Galatians chapter 5.16, Paul goes on to say that there are four ways in which the Holy Spirit will help us in the fight against the pursuit of sin. In verses 17 
to 25 first the holy spirit helps us in our fight against our sinful desires in galatians chapter 5 verses 17 to 18 he says for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do but if you are led by the spirit you are not under the law it's like how we discussed earlier about those two wolves residing inside us one is good and the other is evil the one you feed will be the one that wins the battle then how do we feed the right wolf we need to walk by the spirit and be led by the spirit and that's how the spirit helps us secondly the holy spirit makes the works of the flesh evident to us in galatians chapter 5 verses 19 to 21 he says now the works of the flesh are evident sexual immorality impurity sensuality idolatry sorcery enmity strife jealousy fits of anger rivalries dissensions divisions envy drunkenness orgies and things like this now the orgies and the rave parties are the craze but the thing is even in those days of paul it was very much there you see satan cannot tempt us with anything new he doesn't have anything new to tempt us with he has the very same tool that he used in the garden of eden the very same lie that he has been using since the garden of eden he has been using it till now it is not a sin to be tempted even jesus was tempted but he did not sin as we read in matthew chapter 4 but then james tells us that when we are tempted by our sinful desires and given to them it leads us to sin the holy spirit guides us through the words of scripture to warn us and to convict us in our hearts so that we will feel godly grief over sin which will lead us to repentance and back into the fellowship of god thirdly the holy spirit helps us by producing fruit inside us in galatians chapter 5 verse 22 we read but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self control did you notice that it doesn't say fruits it said fruit so there's just only one fruit of the spirit but then it has got nine different tastes there are many gifts of the holy spirit but then there is only one fruit so what does it mean it means that when the holy spirit produces this fruit inside us we will see all of these nine different tastes being activated inside us and it will flow out through us as evidence that we are walking indeed by the spirit of the lord and fourthly Paul says the holy spirit will empower us to crucify our flesh and sin to death in galatians chapter 5 verses 24 and 25 we read and those who belong to christ jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires if we live by the spirit let us also keep in step with the spirit So as we walk step by step by step with the Holy Spirit we will understand that we are not our own our old self is no more it has been crucified with Christ in order for the desires of our flesh to be brought to nothing as though it were dead and the result is that 
we will no longer be slaves to sin many people have a question how do i come out of this particular sin in my life and this is how you do it paul has outlined these four steps that the holy spirit helps us to come out of a particular sin in our life so coming back to the second chronicles chapter 12 we see that the lord had raised shishak the king of egypt against jerusalem notice in verse 2 how ezra writes shishak the king of egypt came against jerusalem because they had transgressed against the lord so you see he doesn't say the egyptians came because they wanted to conquer more land ezra doesn't write that they came in looking for plunder no ezra writes that they came only because the israelites had transgressed against the lord that is they had sinned against the lord so he was teaching the exiles one important lesson it is the hand of god which rises up in motion against you due to your disobedience the word transgress means unfaithful just like how a spouse can be unfaithful to the other it is exactly the same Once again we see the prophet of God Shemaya coming to Rehoboam and saying thus says the Lord you have forsaken me and therefore I also have left you in the hand of Shishak it's a horrible thing to hear from the Lord I have left you many times many people when we tell them about God they say just leave us alone don't bother us we don't need your God The great danger of saying such a thing is that some day God might actually fulfill that and leave them alone. Today just as I was about to start recording one person came up with a very good news. Her husband had changed back his ways from being an atheist to start attending the family prayer. He was born into a Christian family but then he said I do not want you God. leave me alone but good for him that he understood that it is a horrible thing if the lord really left us alone and this pandemic is teaching us a valuable lesson in this regard immediately the leaders of israel and the king humbled themselves and they said the lord is righteous notice here this is the confession of their sin by saying the lord is righteous they understood that they deserved their present punishment it was indeed a true repentance they did not try to blame anything else and they did not try to find excuses god immediately saw that genuine repentance and said to shemaya they have humbled themselves therefore i will not destroy them i will grant them some deliverance nevertheless they will be sheshak's servants that they may distinguish my service from the service of the kingdoms of the nations so you see when the nation of juda forsook the lord it was as if they became slaves to egypt from being slaves to god romans chapter 6 verses 20 to 22 says that we are either slaves to sin or we are slaves to god but ultimately we read that rehoboam did evil because he did not prepare his heart to seek the lord in verse 14 you see ezra was continuing the same concept of seeking the lord from the previous chapter and he was reiterating the fact that seeking the lord is of prime importance and this book is telling us the same thing even today we love to prepare our hearts to seek the lord and how do we prepare it just as we saw yesterday so out of the kings of juda 
Rehoboam started out as the first evil king. May God bless these words. Amen.